Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Travis Scott, and with me as always is Ben Slinger. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. So, How are you this fine evening? Oh, you know, pretty good. Better to record a podcast with this guy I know. It's going to be fun. Cool. Well, let me know when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I think we're going to veer away from our usual click pitch this week, as we mm-hmm. sometimes like to do. Throw a bit of a curveball in there. And we're going to do a little segment that we don't have an official name for, I don't think. But uh, it's kind of gritty game reboots or modern game reboots or sequels. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so we are each going to, uh, in turn, grab a game from our childhood, perhaps, or from, you know, the the earlier days of gaming. And we're going to have a bit of a riff on what we think a modern version or a modern sequel of that game uh, would look like in today's gaming landscape. Hmm. So I think you Sounds had one. good. Uh, that you found. Yes, I do. Do you want to go first? I shall go first. Do it. My first game is Alone in the Dark. Ooh, okay. Now, there was, what, about 10 there was or a new 12 nightmare years ago? Uh, yeah. It wasn't was, great. Well, not great, not great. So, um, I want to see this as a remake of the first one because the first one okay. to me was like just an awesome game all around, you know, set in, set in the mansion. You're sort of, you're coming to investigate, um, or, or check out this piano in the attic and you walk, you get sort of invited into this house and, you know, you go up to the top and then all of a sudden shit breaks loose and it's, it's literally now it's a puzzle solving sort of thing to get out of the house. Yep. Now, imagine that, but beautiful ray trace graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, that's the last time I want to hear the word ray trace. <laughs> um, okay. so It's, it's not going to be. <laughs> I'm going to beep them all out. Oh, no, it's your edit. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> so, what are the things you want to keep from the original and what are the things you want to update? Like, obviously, you're saying the story- uh, give give us a bit of a rundown for those who don't recall it or haven't played it. Like, who? What's the character you're playing? You're like a, a cop or an investigator or something? Yeah, um, private investigator who is sent to find the piano in the loft for an antique dealer, or Emily Hartwood, Jeremy's niece. So, so basically, um, whether you whether you're playing the guy or the girl, you've got you've got a reason to go in there and see and find this um, piano. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. I didn't I didn't recall that you could play multiple characters. Is the game the same otherwise? Yes. Okay. Maybe that's something we could change up. Maybe yep. we could instead explore uh, those two stories a little bit, a, a little bit different, a, a little bit more, and actually have them kind of being two parts of the same game with completely different paths, but obviously some some yep. overlaps and things. I mean, because what what I love about um, the remake to Resident Evil Two is it removed the um, the tank controls. And put it into like a, a typical third person sort of thing, but it it kept the same sort of feeling to the game, but also felt brand new at the same time. So I'd like to see that this follows that same that same idea that you know everything in the, in the mansion is sort of updated, but it's still got the same sort of um, same sort of issues, but it doesn't have those stupid tank controls and those stupid cameras that keep on swapping, just like what Resident Evil had. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so you don't want the fixed camera. 
No, I like the I like the behind the camera, uh, behind the player. So view. the only the only thing I'd say about the fixed camera is it gives you some cinematic control, right? And mm-hmm. and a big part of these games is kind of the jump scare, or at least the the tension building. Um, and now the, the the cameras don't have to be static, mm-hmm. uh, so you could get a bit more, you know, some zooms, some pans in there. But you're still gaining control then to, like, hide something that's around a corner much more easily uh, than, than if you're giving the, the player full control of the camera. Um, I suppose what Resident Evil 7 did well was it brought everything in a lot closer because it was, um, you know, in the eyes of well, your, your character. Person, yeah. So, it was it was very claustrophobic and all this sort of stuff. And I think that's- that feels sort of where I, what I want to get out of this. Like, um, it's a Louisiana mansion, so you can have, you know, the the bayou sort of stuff happening outside and, you know, it can feel very deserted as well as, um, you know, have that, have that um, you know, real creepy atmosphere. Yeah. Of having to, you know, find, <clears throat> um, find the piano and now you've got to try and get out of there. And- what I did like is that there were lots of ways of killing this, oh, getting killed in this. You know, it was a really weird, like, survival horror for the PC that didn't really go anywhere else. I mean, it was like one a- of the very early survival horrors, right? Like, mm. it kind of- it definitely- um, it, it definitely kicked off certain ideas for the genre, as far as I'm aware. So, it, it seems like, just from looking at the- the the plot on Wikipedia, like, were you? How much did that plot come into it, or was it mostly a moment by moment thing of just sort of exploring the rooms and not getting killed by monsters? A lot of it was exploring, yeah. And you learnt the plot as you went along. Um, I remember that it was so damn hard that I never actually finished the game. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. Like. I got further in the first one than what I did the second one because the second one I couldn't even get to um, get to the house because I died at the very start <laughs> of the game. Yeah, and um, look, they were, they were relatively glitchy, and you know the tank controls were were definitely difficult. I do think we should have like an Easter egg where you can bring back the tank controls, um, and you your that your character's head literally just turns into a tank, mm-hmm. just uh, just because like. Just a bit of an homage there, you know, a bit of a throwback. Yep. Yeah. And you can, you okay, can shoot. So it can it fire. is widely it considered to be a forefather of, of the survival horror game genre, setting the standard for later rival popular survival horror games such as Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Yeah, exactly. So, so we've got to bring it back. We've got to bring it back to its, yeah. you know, its, its legacy, bring back its legacy and bring it back to the king of the hill of survival horror. So how do we do that? Effectively. What's the um, combat? The combat was just like swing, swing, swing things at these. Do you have guns? You yeah, have and guns. I think, I think you can. Yeah, but again, it was very, very limited bullets. It was sort of like whatever yeah. bullets you found in the house. And um, again, you know, it kind of feels like Resident Evil, but it's it's got like a, a Lovecraftian sort of horror aspect to it. And it's set in the 1940s, so you've got- a lot less technology and all that sort of for stuff. For sure, um, for sure. So, because here's the thing. The world is our oyster. <laughs> the world is our game, uh, our survival oyster. And what what can we do that modern survival horror games 
have not done. I know that's maybe a tall order. We're not full on game designers, but if we're if we're bringing this in, what what new aspects can we bring to it that isn't just well, we're going to do it like Resident Evil Seven or Resident Evil Two Remake, but it's alone in the dark. Is there anything about this setting that could kind of because obviously there's the yeah okay you've got limited ammo, you're you're, you're kind of you have to walk relatively slowly, you've got minimal health, you know. What what can we do to really ramp up that tension and, yeah, like change things up a bit? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe let's what think can- about modern, like, technologies and, and what we can do now. Like, I don't know. Can we bring in some kind of uh, physics simulation stuff? Can we bring in- I- 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 uh, Dread saying it, but something that we can do with ray tracing that's game that affects the gameplay. <laughs> um, well, I, I think uh, I, I seem to remember, like, during the game, you picked up a lantern at some stage. Okay. And I have a feeling, like, having um, this sort of a, a, occur during a, a thunderstorm sort of thing where you get up there and the whole thing's lit up. You get up to the attic and then you find the piano. And at that point, like you see off in the distance, like a, um, a lightning strike hits like, uh, the generator or something like that just outside and all the power goes off. And f- so from now on, you've got to be holding a lantern and the whole thing is ray traced from that point of view. That, yeah, look, um, we could definitely play with just light just in your in lantern, way. make, you know, that's definitely something that couldn't be done effectively back then was making light play a very big part of of the game uh, and, and add to the tension in that way, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that'd be and, cool, like having to really manage your light, maybe even manage your fuel, you know, if it's a, it's an old, uh, you know, kerosene lantern or something. Old sort of house in, like, the 1940s in which you've got, like, yeah, kerosene lantern that, um, you know, the, the kerosene is continually- running out while you've got it on. Um, you've only got a limited number of matches because yep. there's no lighters or anything like this, so you've got to use a match each time you want to light it if it goes out. Okay, and what are um, the ways it can go out? Are we going to, like, have drafts <laughs> if you run well, too Well, I think because there's a storm happening outside, then, you know, if, if you know, something crashes through the window, now- you know, there's a draft that's coming through. Okay, well, that could um, be an interesting- Yeah, that could be an interesting mechanic, like puzzle mechanic then of, all right, I have this lantern, but this window is flapping open, like I can't get too close with the lantern or it's going to blow out. And you can have some good effects of like, if you start getting close to an area that's going to blow it out, like it starts to flicker and and and, and yep. gutter a bit, you know. Uh, and of course, you can put the lantern down on the ground. Well, that's it, so that's you know, what I'm saying. Out the, um- yeah, so you put the lantern down on the ground now to go and close the window. Except, like, that's creepy as shit because you're having to go right to the edge of like the light of this lantern. Uh, oh. And so that part past that open the open door on your left, and then you hear to your right, you know, a creaking sound yeah. as the door sort of just. Is is gradually blowing a little bit. So with some really open. good, like you've just got some, you know, moonlight coming in through the window, but that's not a lot not enough to really illuminate everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, or yeah. your only other source is your lantern, and it's this beautifully ray traced 
uh, or at least just beautifully lit. The ray tracing isn't a hundred percent necessary, but uh, global illumination. Go yeah, on. yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked good. It looked good. It looked good. Uh, <laughs> but I could really see that adding to that that tension and that horror uh, without <laughs> it having to be a jump scare necessarily. You know, then it's just tense. And the, even if that motherfucker comes out slowly, it's like, well, shit, I got to close this fucking window and I got to get back to my lantern, or I'm not even going to be able to see him to shoot him. And I've only got three bullets. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just loving in my mind like the uh the visual um even just the just the lantern. Um I'm seeing the trailer is literally you put you put the um the lantern down on the ground and you go to close the window and then as you turn around there's someone hovering over the lantern as they just blow it out and it's like oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you go to close the window and suddenly like something steps in front of the lantern and you know now, knowing that that's the only source of light. Yeah. It's between you and the lantern. Like it's close. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. And is that, is that thing of do you turn around to see it? And I mean, this is just the trailer. Like in the game, it can just be that it's someone else who's trying to escape this, um, Who's trying to escape this mansion as well? I mean, well, it's it's interesting because I was just thinking about horror games. Like again, survival horror it tends to mostly be around shooting and 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 whacking and whatever. I wonder if you can do a game that that's. I wonder if you could do it that it's less around combat in that way and more around like not acknowledging it. Like if these are spirits, if these are or, or, like, if they're kind of ghosts in the way, like, think of um, Haunting of Hill House or yep. that sort of thing. Like, it's more around the way you react to them or something. Or, like, they're not going to literally just whack you until you die, right? It's more no. sinister than that or something. I'm, I'm just trying to think of what that gameplay could be. Because then, yeah, I'm thinking of that idea. Okay, you're closing the window. You see the shadow come in front of the lantern. And you're like, oh, shit, it's behind me. Don't turn around. <laughs> yeah. And and it's that sort of thing of, I think, you know, maybe there's a part of the game in which, okay, you you definitely, um, or maybe it is this particular part of the game where it's a, it's a scheduled thing that someone steals the lantern. And from now on, you're just going by moonlight. So, you've only got, like, limited light in a room. Mm. Your eyes gradually adjusted. And, or get some and nice then- HDR going on as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Eyes adjusting, yeah. So what I'm what I'm picturing is that you then have these different sort of set pieces that you got to sort of go by. Mm. But there's maybe at the start there's not much in the way of like defending yourself. It's more okay. You need to barricade the door. So you've got to move something in front of the door, kind of like at the start of the original game. Like um, you had to move a cupboard in front of the window, otherwise. Mm one of the zombie guys would come in through the window and then you had to cover up the trapdoor that was yeah. leading into leading in there um because otherwise the zombie guys would come up through the through the um trapdoor as well. Yeah. So it's more around can you stop Well I like the idea of the it things being as you go this very occult ish thing, right? Where you're having to like almost perform these quick little rituals. Uh, so instead yep. of barricading the door so a you know mindless zombie doesn't come in, it's like you have to put a line of salt across the door because otherwise this you know the spirit can pass 
through and and like Ooh. you know do things in the next room. And I, I think I'm kind of seeing this as as like a, a supernatural kind of game, as in yeah, you know, the TV show Supernatural. Oh, okay, yeah, where. You know, you can choose to be one of the hunters. I'm not necessarily saying Sam and Dean. I'm just saying that within that within that world of you've been separated from your car, which has all the weapons in it, mm. and so all you've got is, like, salt and the lantern and some matches. Yeah, well, and, I mean, you don't even necessarily have to go all the way to, like, demon slash ghost hunter. I think it's more just a very much along the lines of a slower- thing like and obviously uh, there needs to be a way for you to die or for you to be hurt of course um but i think it's like yeah you you learn that oh this particular spirit like as long as you don't stop while it's behind you you're safe don't stop walking or something yeah Um, just don't look just don't turn around don't turn around you know um but it'll it'll leave as long as you keep walking don't run because it'll no. know you, you'll it'll know you've, you. You know it's there, and so I, I'm just picturing a moment of yeah, like having to walk through the moonlight or like while carrying this lantern or whatever. And it, particularly if we're doing this in third person, you can literally you can turn the camera and you can look at this thing behind you. But if your player turns around, you're fucked. Mm. Uh, or if your player stops moving, and so it's this real like tense, yeah, situation. Of, or maybe it is to do with the light. Maybe it only comes out in the moonlight or something. So it's like, oh, I got to re- I got to reach my lantern again that I had to put down, you know, mm-hmm. without running into anything, without stopping, without turning around, because this fucking like evil spirit thing is behind me. Uh, well, I I just saw that Alone in the Dark three um, says enjoy up to seventy hours of gameplay. <laughs> God, that's too much. <laughs> Yeah, especially, that's the especially sort of for survival stuff horror. that they used to have back then. <laughs> anyway, that's just between 20 minutes on the one game. So, let's move on. <laughs> uh, I think that's good, though. I think there's some cool stuff there. Yeah, there really is. All right. I, Your turn. My turn. Yeah, I have a couple here. And I'm trying to decide. But I think what we'll do is micro machines. Micro machines. Yeah. Hmm. So this is a classic racing game, one that I played a lot on my Sega Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually looking at the PC version here, but and for those who are maybe millennials or younger listening, micro machines were just a like a, a, a you know car toy that they were very tiny. They were maybe like. On a centimeter and a half long or something, uh, yeah, something in like real that. life, like that you could get a, get, and then they brought out games uh, that were just they were racing games, but it was based around obviously the cars being that size. So you're racing around gardens and on tables, and I remember one being on a toilet seat and and this sort of thing. So I'm thinking though, in a modern version of this, obviously, like I love what you could do with the scale of things. Uh, it's yep. just really fun to be to be driving around a house and being that tiny or a garden or whatever. I yep. wonder if you go and make it a bit of an adventure game, like make it a bit of a narrative, um, not adventure game, but like a, an action adventure. Yep. So instead of it just being a series of races and you're racing against each other, like you're a character and you're trying to navigate around this world, um, like an open world sort of thing, mm-hmm. a bit of a, a bit of a Banjo-Kazooie or a bit of a- 
Uh, that's that style of thing. Uh, but you're a micro machine. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Good. <laughs> okay. So is this, um, what sort of world are you set in? You said open world, but. Yeah. Look, I think. Uh, is it set in a house? Is it set in, in like a backyard trying to get to it, get into I mean, the I house? I think you need to figure it- out. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you could go kind of a Toy Story vibe. Maybe you've been left outside. So you start out in the garden, uh, and you try to get back into the house uh, to, to to find your your friends, the rest of the micro machines in their little like micro machine box. Yep. So I think uh, rather than you playing an actual micro machine toy, mm-hmm. I think you play a little character, like a little man, right. who happens to you know have some sort of magic to be able to actually you know turn these micro machines into actual working cars okay so you're saying so this isn't a world uh, like a toy story world where toys are alive this is yeah because i'm thinking the toys are inert but you are a fucking leprechaun or something yeah and just turns out the leprechauns are actually really really tiny yeah they're like Um, two millimeters high if not even smaller (laughs) like i don't know how how small they deem to be to to have the cars feel like real thing but basically when they get in there because I like the idea of being able to, you know, choose between different different micro machines as you go, yeah, so you're not yeah, yeah. sort of stuck as the one. Yeah, that's fair micro machine. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're a leprechaun who can drive micro machines. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And so, what's what's their goal? I think they were they were sleeping in the back of uh, of the micro machine, just having a bit of a rest uh, when the kid took it outside, and then you know they've sort of woken up and. Is the middle of the night, and they need to get back to their um, maybe maybe their um, maybe their partner is due to due to give birth or something like that, and so they they're trying to get back for the um, okay. So this is all right. for the birth. Can they be? Can it be that they were like hanging out in something else that the kid brought outside? I'm trying to think what else would be that scale. I guess it doesn't have to be that scale. Um, yeah, but like, were they chilling with Polly Pocket or something? <laughs> <laughs> Polly Pocket's probably a bit too big to actually fit in those cars, yeah. but that's fine. Maybe that's what this leprechaun is into. Okay, so- They've got a wife. <laughs> well, it could be, could be an open relationship. They don't know. You don't know. Don't kink shame. Don't- uh, What's the thing? Yuck their yums. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they're just friends anyway. They can be platonic friends. The leprechaun's hanging mm-hmm. out with his platonic- Inert friend, Polly Pocket, gets left in the garden and, yes, he, he okay, his, his wife is pregnant or, yeah, uh, and is due any day now. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, the reason that he knows she's about to give birth is there's a rainbow. <laughs> it's ending directly <laughs> in the middle on of the her night. pot of gold. Uh, and- so you got to follow the rainbow. You have got to follow the rainbow back to your back to your wife. That's actually like everyone's like it's it's a uh, it, you get the leprechaun's pot of gold. It's like no, it's when a leprechaun gives birth, when a leprechaun is born, that's what causes rainbows. Okay. So yeah, and then you get there by driving micro machines, and then it's it's you know lots of sick jumps and cool stunts to to make your way through this world. Um. So are you doing uh, sort of? You know, side missions along the way. Are you just keeping it very? Look, yeah, I think you'd go. I think you'd go pretty, pretty action platformery and have like collectibles and and a few mm-hmm. side missions and stuff for sure. 
and, you know, you make your way through the levels of the garden and the front porch and the kitchen and whatever you find your mm-hmm. find your way to the kids' room where you live. And then you find her there with Micro Max. What was the other one? <laughs> the boys, boys, air quotes one. <laughs> I don't remember. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I think there's something there. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the beautiful ray tracing. Of- <laughs> 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 um, okay. All right. Give me your next one. Ooh, let's go. Let's go in a in an adventure sort of way. There was a there was a series of adventure games that were rather kind of felt cheaply made. Okay. Uh, I think I think we have actually talked about this before. But I'll I'll say it anyway. Hugo's House of Horrors. Oh right, yes, okay. My mind went to Monster Bash or whatever the Apogee side scroller one. No, okay. Oh, Hugo's yeah, House no, of no, Horror no. Horrors, yes, it was a so, series of point and click adventures. Yeah. They had Hugo One, which was House of Horrors, yes. Hugo Two, which was Who Done It, Hugo Three, which was Jungle of Doom. Okay, I just want to sort of take the idea of okay, Hugo's now going elsewhere. And some other shit is happening. Okay, okay. Yeah, this is good. I don't think we have talked about this. Uh, it's maybe come up, but, like... Yeah. We definitely haven't done a, re- a remake, so... This... Yeah, you're right. It's felt kind of cheap, but it was... It was popular, or at least amongst... Like, it was known, as well known. Yeah, definitely. And I thought the story was actually quite good, and the puzzles were were quite good. The The idea about this sort of guy who's, who stumbles onto... Onto some weird shit that's going down in in this area, kind of bumbling through everything that's actually going on. Like in Who Done It, you actually played his his girlfriend Penelope, and she was trying to find Hugo, and it turns out like he was asleep the whole time. But <laughs> there was still some shit going down. But yeah, I, I do I do like the idea of of this guy who just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean it's a very it's a bit of a Roger Wilco kind of kind of trope, I guess. Let's just think about this guy. He's got a girlfriend, Penelope. Yep. Are they still together? Ooh. <laughs> Do you play um, as Hugo in this or Penelope or someone else? Uh, okay. So, maybe you actually play their child. Okay. Okay. Um, What's the child's name? Because Hugo and Penelope are very, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if they're old-fashioned, but they're unusual. Not not commonly used names these days, I feel like. Yeah. They're- they're not commonly new- used names, so I'm thinking, what's the most basic sort of name that um, their kid could be called? Uh, Vera. I think if it's a boy, I think if it's a boy, yeah, Vera for a girl, Gary for a boy. Gary. Maybe they're twins. Gary and Vera, yep. they're twins, and uh, you either switch between them or you choose one or they each have their own stories. Yeah, I, I, think, you, I think you choose one. Okay. So- I think as as you go through the game, you find out that, like, uh, Hugo and Penelope, they're still together, but they never got married. Okay. So, you're playing the um, bastards. <laughs> yes. It was just a choice that they that's made. The actual, that's know, actually they- the subtitle. It's Hugo for uh, or five, I guess. Little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Little with, like, a L-I apostrophe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I, I do like the idea of bringing in, like, a- Or just Hugo's little bastard. <laughs> so, I'm I'm sort of thinking that if you take some of the, um, some of the ideas that happened in the previous games, um, 
yeah, there was basically a romantic getaway at her uncle's mansion where um, there was a mysterious murder that happened and then uh, what was Jungle of Doom? Yeah, they had a plane crash in the South American jungle and um, Penelope got bitten by a by a spider. Okay, so uh, what I like about these is they're relatively, I mean, I guess there's a murder, but like they're relatively mundane yep. kind of kind of events. Okay, so <laughs> and they Gary all they all kind of take Vera. on a they all kind of take on a uh, a genre as well, right? So yep. you've got like horror, uh, uh, horror like a, a crime mystery, crime thriller, and then a jungle adventure game. Yep. Okay. So I think we we lean into that and find find something desert adventure. Okay. So what happens is Gary and Vera are, t- are traveling home for Thanksgiving. All right. Um. And Wait, they how old are these? I, th- I was thinking they're kids. You're saying they're grown? Yeah, well, they were born in, like, 95, so they'd be, what, 23 now? All right. They're, they're little millennials. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, um, I'm thinking that they've, they're going cross-country to, to um, go visit their parents. They're coming back from um, university or whatever. Okay. Driving along... Uh, Sort of, um, maybe they're going through like some, um, they've just gone through like a town in, um, in Texas where there wasn't really anyone there and it feels kind of like the old west. Yep. And they break down. Okay. And so one of them, whichever one you choose, walks back to the town. Yep. To try and find some gas or, or someone to help them. Yep. And I think that's where it can that's where it can start, and and basically it's sort of like a ghost town sort of game that you're going through. Okay, all right, that's fine. That sounds good. Yep. So, all right, your character goes back to this ghost town. Are there? I mean, are, are there any people here, or it's literally deserted when you get there, or is it just like a small town with like population thirty three mm-hmm. or something? Um, yeah, I do like the idea of it. It's a small town, but there doesn't appear to be anyone there. Okay. And maybe what's actually happened is there's someone there who's like robbing robbing a bank, and they and just happens to have you know locked all the people inside this bank right. when they when they saw right. saw you come in, sort of thing. Right. Well, okay. So the town was having their like Thanksgiving celebration. Yep. And yeah, a stranger passing through took that opportunity to lock them all in town hall. Where they were having their big dinner, because yeah, it's population thirty-three. Yep, and he's got them all trapped there. You yeah, don't, so you don't know this yet. Yeah, so you're going sort of through, and like the whole place seems deserted. But you can you but take you- note that there's like evidence of relatively recent activity, like yeah, yeah. um, like the soup's still hot, and you know there's, there's or just a, um- like someone's dogs in the yard, and there's still food in the bowl or something, and yeah. Uh, yeah, like there are recent news. It's not like this town's been deserted for for years. There's no. There's- it's literally tonight. Yeah, they've been deserted. Yeah. Okay. You still you, you kind of slowly start to realize that you still sort of have that that feel of um, well, being alone in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I don't think it's the dark. I think it's the middle of the day, um, because like the desert, you want that beating sun coming down. Oh and, yeah. You know, you want. You want something there, yeah. You want you want that as, as kind of a, a, an aspect. Yeah, I, I like the idea that the, you go to the you go to like the um the mechanic shop 
and it's actually got a sign in the window saying "closed for Thanksgiving." So you you sort of know, okay, I've got to, I've just got to head to town and like, yeah, should be able to find them in town. And when you get to town, like now, everything. Do you have? I wonder if you have phone service for at least some of it, so you can talk to your twin, uh, and you can develop that relationship a little bit then. Yeah. Um. Given that, um. These are, you know, millennials and all that sort of stuff. There's no way they would be actually talking to each other. They'd actually be, like, just messaging each other the whole time. This is true. They text. Like, yes. They text so much more than what they what they would do talking. Um, yeah, well, that's fun. You can you can have a, a nice little text interface come up uh, with little conversation trees via text and emojis and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you get to select what, what you- um what you want to say to them, but half of what, what actually gets typed is emojis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it translates. So, the whole game is subtitled because when it comes up, it just- It has subtitles <laughs> down the bottom for, for what it actually means. Uh, um, I like the idea that you can- it, When you um, start the game, Leisure Suit Larry style, it, like, asks you some questions to, to determine whether you're a millennial or not. And if you are a millennial, <laughs> like even the even the dialogue options and stuff come up in emojis, and there's no translation. <laughs> but if you don't get it right, then you get the uh, you get the subtitles and the translations. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I love that. I love that a lot. Um, so I'm I'm trying to think that you know when you're first going through and you see everything sort of um, all. Um, deserted and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, the first thing that they're sort of saying is, this place is deserted. It's like a ghost town sort of thing. And as they're going, you know, they're getting sort of freaked out by, you know, uh, things being knocked over and all that sort of stuff while they're, while they're in, say, looking through a saloon or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that, you know, it's just a rat who, that knocked something over. But it's yeah. Um, I, I like the idea that it builds very- up to this. You know, it has has fucking everyone been abducted, abducted by aliens or something like this? You you lead them in on a red herring, uh, yeah. And then it's it's something relatively mundane, and then right at the end you twist it back, and it turns out that the person robbing them was an alien <laughs> or something, <laughs> or at least you hint towards something. Uh, but you know, I, I like no the- matter what no matter what you do, you you break into the town hall and um, there's explosives rigged to explode, like, and all the people in there just get like obliterated. Oh my god! Well, that's one ending. You got to be out of sight. You got to have an ending where you save them. Uh, okay. The other ending is that they get all shot to death by the guy. <laughs> you got seventeen endings where they all die, and one where you save them. Yep. But it's DLC. But it's. It, but it's only unlockable in the um in the emoji version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because normal texting takes too long. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to do it with the emojis because otherwise you have to type too many characters and you run out of time. Um, <laughs> I love puzzles based around having to strategically use emojis. I do also yeah. like the idea that yeah, you've just got this running commentary back and forth with your twin back in the other, back in the car. Um, yep. Where basically every time you you know even maybe even every time you interact with something or look at something, it's it's you talking to them. It's like yeah, oh, there's this dusty old bin here or something. You know, should I look what should I look inside? You know, they're like, ew, why would you do that? Yeah. 
but then you click use <laughs> on it. There's no reason for you to look then in you there. click use on it. It's like, ah, oh, I'm going to look in it. You know, like, yeah, they're, they're quickly texting each other back and forth everything that's going on and, and keeping this running commentary going. <laughs> Which is so what millennials actually do. I was watching, like, uh, these kids on um, on uh, Friday night at um, a dance thing. Yeah. And literally, they were sitting next to each other texting the person next to them. Like- and it's like, you're here, you're experiencing it. What the fuck are you talking about? And they were just having a conversation between okay, the two of them. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> we're not, we're not okay, close to We're actually- Well, I'm technically a millennial if you go by 81. I guess you're on the other cusp. Yeah, I'm still, again- Gen X. You can select me as Gen X or Gen Y. Like, they're, they're basically- um, Depending on who you ask, like- a, a lot of Gen Xs say, nah, uh, 79 is the latest. Uh, so. Yeah, well, depending on who you ask, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm on the cusp. Yeah, you and I are on the cusp. Okay. Hey, have you got another one? Uh, I'll find one. <laughs> <laughs> um, where did my fucking list go, though? Oh, there you go, advanced search. Oh, no, I've lost all my Moby ideas. Games. <laughs> no, I'm on I'm on igdb.com because I can like select multiple years. I mean, I've got one. If you don't have another one, ready. Hang on. All right, give me yours. Descent. Okay, sure. Let's go with descent. So I mean. What what I loved about the scent was it was sort of like a um you know a six degrees of of freedom uh, shooter effectively. But what I think you could actually do with it is actually make it a bit of an open world seven sort degrees. Of thing. <laughs> what you get to go through time as well. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm thinking sort of like you. You have missions in which you're you're getting out of your fighter. You're sort of talking to to people in in like areas, and they sort of say, "Oh yeah, go over here and clear this out." You jump back into your into your um your fighter, and you you you're able to fly in and do a whole heap of different things. You can go into space. You can all right. So a um, bit more like a uh um like a space like dogfighting kind of space dogfighting game. In in that a lot of those often had. You know, very story-based missions, and you had like yeah. levels on the base and stuff, or areas on the base. But it's still tunnels and things because I think that's really the hallmark of yeah. it. Is it's not it's not out. It's not full space where you've just you know got barely anything to run into. It's like you're going through exactly. Yeah, so you you do have a little bit of that because I remember that there were some levels in Descent, or am I thinking Terminal Velocity? Um, yeah, they were kind of similar. Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea that, I mean, Descent was very much, very much closed tunnels and things. And, and part, part of yeah. that, I think, was just because of, you know, the rendering uh, that it had to do. But uh, in a modern version, you could really mix that up a lot. So, you could have, if you're flying through these, like, ancient space stations or whatever, you could have these, like, epically large areas that's like, here's the hydroponics bay or something. And it's, you know, this yeah. huge, huge area. So, you get a bit more of- you know, you're not you're not running into walls every second, but then you yeah you're very quickly going back into all right. Now we're going through the you know the the tunnels or whatever to get to the next section. Yeah, so. uh, what I'm imagining is is 
like it starts off on a planet and you sort of they may say oh look uh, some kids trapped down in the mines, so you use your um your little thing to go down into the mines and all that sort of stuff, and you you're able to sort of fly through there. You got like little floating alien things, and you can have maybe a, a big exit sort of thing in which you've got a um you know you start a collapse coming down from behind, so you got to try and get out in the in the cleanest way possible. Yeah, well, that was a big part of it was getting out. Um, yeah. Because there was, there was general- I think, was it every level you had to do that? I don't remember if it was every level. I, I remember there was- I think was often there was like a countdown sort of and you had to make escape your escape sequence and- I'm just going to mention, did you know there's a, a modern version of Descent coming out on December 31st? <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay, so what are, what are things that we really want to see from the new Descent? Yeah, yeah that's basically what we're doing. Um, no, that's look. That's fine. We can we can do our own thing with it. Um, I just stumbled <laughs> across it as I was looking for screenshots of the original. Uh, yeah, look, I I like the idea that it's a bit more narrative. You know, we we often like to put put a bit more of that into our game. The the original mm-hmm. felt just very much you know do the next level, do the next level, and you know coming from a history of of doom and stuff, it, it's not surprising. Uh, but yes, I like this idea that maybe you've got a home base town sort of thing that you start off off in, and it's almost a bit of it's almost RPG light in that you're like taking quests basically, and it's sort of this open world. But maybe it's this planet that's it's got all these abandoned mines because there was a you know there was a rush of of mining you know some some mineral mineral that that is on this planet. Uh, and now it's de- mm-hmm. now it's mostly depleted, and so they're mostly inactive. But there's all sorts of shit going on in these mines. Uh, yep. And that's maybe just your initial act, right? And then you move on to a different town, or you move up into space, and then you're like based out of a space station, and yeah, you're like exploring derelict ships, um, and this sort of thing. But I, I like the idea of yeah, you've you've got your actual character, and maybe you meet some sidekicks along the way or whatever who. You know, you could even have some co-ops. It's like they come along in their ships and stuff too. That the original descent definitely didn't have anything like that. Yep. Uh, looking into the new um, version of descent, I think they've only put it as thirty first of December because it's. They said that it was going to come out in sometime in twenty nineteen. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. It doesn't look like it's actually going to be coming out anytime soon. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Um, supposedly there's like in early May 2019, like the homepage for the, for the studios that were making it was taken offline. And, <laughs> okay. Like, so it's basically yeah. in development, in development health. Health, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so that's not good. But anyway, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely liking the idea of this sort of, um, open world having to do different things. One of the, one of the things that happened in, um, in the other other games, I think if, uh, Descent Three was like free space and that sort of stuff, and they did actually go a little bit more. Well, into yeah, space I, I, and- I think Descent Free Space was very much more along the lines of like an X Wing kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was more of that uh, deep space dogfighting. Yeah, which you know, I, I do like the idea of you know close quarters battle, but in a spaceship. You know, it's well. That's it. Um, and well, and that's why I think keeping it. Um, somewhat uh, in enclosed spaces 
Because otherwise, you know, I, I, I find with those deep space ones, like so often you're kind of just shooting at like you, you are, you're hard because they're so far away and it's like telling you to lead the ship by this much or whatever to hit them. And you don't, you can't even see the ship until they blow past you for a split second. Whereas mm-hmm. Descent was very much, oh no, like they're right up in your face and, you know, they've got their different attack patterns and, you know, you, you, you are having to maneuver around. Uh, but, but still, you know, staying in very close and managing your weapon overheating and managing different, mm-hmm. you know, ammo of your missiles and, and this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just the idea of being able to do it all in what appears to be zero gravity is even better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Did you find another one for yourself? Well, no, I was focusing on coming up with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking why I do it, otherwise I'll uh, get distracted. Mm-hmm. 19 years ago, 2001, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. It's either Oni or Oni. Did oh, you play yeah. this game? Yeah. Um, I didn't, so explain it to me as if- As if you- I don't know what's actually you knew nothing about it, which you maybe do. Yes. Okay. It was um, it was actually a bungee game, uh, and it's a th- it's a third person action adventure. Uh, a lot of combat mm-hmm. stuff, um, a lot of close combat stuff with combos and things. And you played kind cool. of a like a, a this this uh, what was she? I don't know. Mm, yeah, she was she was a cop basically. Um, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if she was, it was, it was sort of anime inspired. Um, but you'd go around just kicking the shit out of people with these cool, um, combos and stuff. And yep. yeah, for the time it was very much revolutionary kind of controls and stuff, um, for that sort of combat hadn't really been done before. Yep. Um, now I want to play it. Yeah, look, it was good. I'd never finished it. I remember going back back to it a couple of times to, you know, to to try to get a bit further in it. But so I'm just looking at the plot. It's yeah, it's basically set in the future in a dystopic Earth. Um, so the Earth is so polluted that little of it remains habitable. All nations have combined into a single entity, the World Coalition Government. It's an Orwellian government. Uh, mm-hmm. and you begin working for the, the technological crimes task force, the TCTF, but cool. you find she turns against them, goes rogue, starts learning more about secrets from her past and their family, her family and, uh, nice. battling them and the criminal organization, the syndicate and, uh, thwart their plot to, uh, destroy the atmospheric conversion centers, which are keeping most of the world's population alive. So Nuts. that was the general overall plot. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of seeing it um in my head, like almost a kind of like a Max Payne sort of. Yeah, there are definitely thing in a way. Like, so look, one of the one of the this is an interesting one. This is an, this is an interesting one to do because so many of the things that it spearheaded have now been done so much better right of yep. course open world it was it was it wasn't a full open world but it was 
you were, you were in these sort of big city streets and stuff, and it was these fairly wide open environments. Um, yep. The combat was, yeah, like all this very well animated, like close combat stuff. I guess I'd probably put it, you know, close to um, like the Arkham games or or Mordor games or whatever, like that that style of thing. It wasn't it wasn't those like lots of people at once, but just you know, the, it just even that level of of close combat stuff hadn't really been done this well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, to, to bring that into the modern day, I mean, you could obviously just take the aspects of those games and do it, you know, do them well, but I wonder if there's other things you could bring into it. So, one of the things that I would almost like to, like to see is um, I've gone back recently and to have a look at uh, – Something like, um, you know, the the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild way of, of thinking. Okay. In that you've got this large area in which everything is accessible at all times. Yep. Like, there's nothing actually stopping you from going anywhere. Uh, there's lots of things to do over this entire city. Yep. Sort of thing. Because I'm seeing this as a huge city. And basically, um, you have, like- one or two things that you can do along the way, but you can sort of also, there are four points in which, you know, you have to sort of take down. Um, maybe th- there's a gang that's sort of taken out, um, or there's gangs in, in charge of these four quadrants of the city. And basically you've got to remove that, yep. that sort yep. of um, thing, whether, whether it be the TCTF has, has, you know, outposts in each of these places. Yeah, well, I like the idea um, of- You can attack them in any order. You can, yep. um, you know, get different weapons as you're going. You know, you're sort of- You're fighting against a whole heap of people a la your, um, your Arkham sort of games. But I'm talking about a sprawling city that goes on for miles and miles and miles. Yeah. Or what yeah. feels like that. Well, here- um, So, so let, let me say a few things about that. I like that idea. I, I'm, I'm thinking of this basically as a reboot, not a sequel- um, so you're going through this story of of Konoko, Konoko um, learning about her past and about the TCTF and that they're actually villains, basically. Um, but I like the idea that yes, you can you can take these areas in whatever order you like. But obviously, you know, if you say if you go, you know, you go through quadrants one, two, three, four in that order. By the time you get to three, you've gone rogue from the TCTF. And you've, so you've yep. got access to different weapons and different things. And the storyline is still moving forward, like your personal storyline. Um, but the same thing will happen. If you go through quadrants four, three, two, one in that order, it's like by the time you get to two, that's the case, right? So you've kind of, you've got this open world that you can do things in any order, but you've also still got this story that's moving forward as you, you know, whether it's as you yep. level up or as you knock out these these different factions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, originally you're doing it on behalf of the TCTF, right? The first couple of, of factions you take out is because you are law enforcement. Uh, and maybe there are even things you like, you have to do it by the, like if you get penalties if you kill people and stuff because you're trying to capture them at that point. Uh, but like those restrictions are gone, you know, once you go fully, fully rogue. Uh, but maybe they have, mm-hmm. maybe they have other uh, implications. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like that idea of having it being, you know, pretty open. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's really but cool. But still having that personal story going on. Um, yeah, now one of the things I noticed when watching this trailer, there were there's a lot of combat up on like high buildings and girders and this sort of thing. And so using moves that placed the enemy in a particular place were important. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I feel like that could be an interesting addition to that style of, of you know, brawler combat where you are kind of moving, moving the enemy you're attacking into particular positions, which is done a little bit in Arkham and Mordor games, but I feel like this is a bit more. You know, you you've got four four guys coming at you, and you can like grab one, throw him off the girder. Grab the other one, swing him around so that he gets hit by the taser that the third one is about to hit you with, right? Like, they're sort of you're using them as to block and to continue combo and stuff uh, yep. in, in a much more fluid way of, of yeah, really, like, uh, yeah, putting them where you want them. Hmm. I'm just- I'm really- I'm, I'm just picturing, like, in my in my head just how freeform, though- that that sort of battle could um that could go on on the tops of yeah. of the buildings like that. Well, and I love the idea of you know if you do a grab or you do certain types of moves that that give you that control over the uh the position of that other character that you're almost using the right stick to then position them and sort of swing mm-hmm. them around. But I love the idea that you can do some of those moves of like you you know you you've come up behind someone you've done them in a grab around their shoulders. Then you use the right stick to just like do a full 360 and their legs like flail out and kick everyone in a circle. (laughs) But like, but it's not just a, that's not just a combo. That's like something you have physically done by swinging it around, you know, swinging around in a circle. You could have stopped halfway to put them to, to like drop them off a cliff or to put them in the way of someone else. But like, yeah, there's a bit of a physical based combat there. Um, where you can kind of utilize, yeah, utilize them as a weapon, mm. and I feel like that. I feel like that plays in well to the kind of over-the-top close combat uh, anime style sort of. Uh, yeah. yeah, what I, what I can sort of see is the fact that, like, we're talking about this stuff happening at the top of these really really tall buildings. Yeah, I do kind of like the idea that you can basically access these at any time because of scaffolding on these buildings yep. sort of thing. And so it it's sort of it's not scripted as as such that there's going to be fights up there. It just so happens that in this particular um way of you you wanting to get to your get to your area, you happen to go through this area and there's mm, um yeah. there are people who are either chasing Well and that'd you be interesting or- too, because with the factions, like there could be areas that are populated by TCTF. That if you're, yeah. you know, if you haven't gone rogue yet, like, you can just walk straight through. Uh, yeah. And vice versa. Um, not that you're joining the criminals when you go rogue. Well, I think once you go rogue, it's just everyone attacks you. But early on, you can take routes that otherwise would be very combat heavy. Yeah. Or you can be sort of sneaking in via, via you know, you've sneakily gone up the scaffolding. You're sort of sneaking across. But then when, when you um, achieve your mission up there- then, you know, they're alerted to your presence yeah. and then that's when shit goes down yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, then you get into, yeah, yeah, big fights. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I love that. Actually, I quite like the idea of um, the traversal method that you'd, in, that you'd have to have to 
you know, very quickly get up these scaffoldings and maybe, you know, swing or jump from building to building or something like maybe, or maybe you've got mm-hmm. like a little cool little um, glider or something, you know, I can just picture a sort of uh, expandable glider that she can, she can pull out to, to go limited distances mm-hmm. and yeah, really make your way across this city in, yeah, in whatever order you want and just taking on battles. And, you know, again, like these games often have, you come across, you know, random events and stuff of, you know, an arrest going down. And so you help the TCTF or, you know, once you've gone rogue, you see them fucking like abusing someone. And so you take them down. Uh, and again, I like this idea of early on or just in general, like you've got the choice of whether to kill people or not. So yeah, you can yep. kick them off of buildings, but like that's going to have some sort of karmic effect, uh, whether it's early on on your kind of record or, or at the TCTF or later on, just you don't want to be a killer. Um, you, yep. you know, it rests on your conscience, <laughs> but uh, I think having a no kill run would be a good challenge. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm going to say we're going to do one more. Sure. Sure. Um, I've already got one ready if you don't already have one ready. Well, no, given the amount of time it took me to come up with this one, uh, yep. no, go ahead. Okay. So back in like the late, 80s, Sierra released a couple of games called Manhunter. Yes. So, they were were kind of (laughs) adventure games, um, actually using their very, very old system, um, the AGI interface, or the adventure game interface. interface. (laughs) Um, But uh, essentially what happened is these- Aliens had come to come to the world and sort of taken over, taken over the world. And then there were certain um, people who were who were set as manhunters to go track down people who didn't who didn't actually sort of fall into um, fall under under the control of of the aliens. Right. And so each day you'd be given, okay, you need to go find this person. Here are the basic clues. Here's where you can go, sort of look and do stuff but as you went you sort of realized that maybe maybe these aliens aren't exactly the um aren't exactly the most noble thing so you actually start joining the resistance and end up sort of spoiler 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 you know sort of defecting away from from um you know being a manhunter and actually now being on the run and and people are now coming coming to get you yeah but just the idea of, of like this alien takeover, you start out sort of like a bounty hunter. Yeah. So you, you have to do some some basic um you know, sort of tracking of of people from these different crime scenes, but then you realise that, you know, as as you're tracking this this one one person, there's a little bit more to the story. Yeah. And I just think that that's due for a um yeah, yeah, look, I think, a, there's, a I think there's a lot of people. First of all, we definitely still have to set it in the futuristic year of 2004. <laughs> Earth has been enslaved by the race of aliens known as the orbs. Um, the orbs who look like giant floating eyeballs have implanted all humans with global tracking devices, forced them to wear nondescript robes and forbid them from speaking or communicating. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I like that. Uh, that's an interesting take as well, that- I mean, for one, you can make these fucking eyeball orbs look fucking cool as hell. Oh, yeah. Nowadays. Or full fuck on, yeah. like, <laughs> multi 
beautiful layered texturing and ray tracing off the eyes. <laughs> the <laughs> reflections of the eyes. I know. I was just beating you to the punch. Uh, but then the fact that you can't speak or communicate and everyone has to wear these robes that are all the same, like, that's a real challenge in an adventure game. Yeah. Uh, and I like the idea that, yeah, if these, if these fucking orbs are watching you, then you cannot interact with people. Mm. Even though, yes, like, uh, and I think you don't, you don't find out, like, I think the first, almost the, the prologue is before they, fi- they, they give you your assignment to, to find this resistance. Mm-hmm. So you just get a sense of, oh, we're living in New York. There's these fucking orbs. And if they see us talking to each other, they like imprison us or whatever, kill us or I don't know what they did. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that actually happened in the game and that you started to realize was the the tracking system, it didn't actually identify who the person was. Oh, okay. It all all it identified is someone went in here, did something and left again. So and then you could follow where their positioning went and so that you could sort of follow they went into this building, they went here, they did and you sort of see where they're sort of going. You can't really see what they're what they're necessarily doing, but you know that okay, in this uh, cathedral they went over to the um to the candles and then they went to the altar and then they went into into um like the back room, came out again and left and went to another place. Yeah. And so when you go to these places you don't know who you're really looking for, but you can sort of- you know I like the out. idea then of, of using some sort of nice visual overlay uh, of when you get to this place, you get you can like switch on or I guess kind of like a detective mode-ish sort of thing, but it's more just- Yep. You know, in some places it might be this completely like incomprehensible overlay of of- you know, lines back and forth because they went all over the place, you know, and, and you have to f- sort of find ways to like maybe as you discover things in that area, you can like uh, dismiss some of them or something because like, oh, that's not relevant. That's not relevant. And like bring it back down to, oh, here are the things that I care about and where they went next. Mm-hmm. So in the game, I can't remember which which one it was, but I think I think it was actually New York. You actually are set, sent to investigate Something that you did the the, uh, the day before, right? But they don't know it was you. They don't know it was you because they just know it was a a there was a tracker there, yeah. and so it's sort of you know then having to subvert as to you know what you did. Um, oh, I love the idea that these orbs are to- some sort of hive mind or something, and they don't understand even the idea of individuality, and that's why they can't quite comprehend that not only do they need to put trackers in everyone, but they should identify them in some way. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. And so, they're like, look, we need you to find this resistance. We're going to give you access to the tracking database. But, yeah, all you get is is like the, all these overlays of all- Because I'm kind of liking the idea now that part of sort of coming into a space might be you don't just get an overlay of here's where this- particular person went you get an overlay of everyone over a certain time frame right everywhere Mm. they went and part of it then is yes dismissing the irrelevant ones and 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 sort of culling it down to oh okay here's my here are my suspects because these are the only you know and you can just do it like things like okay just show me the ones that went close to you know this jukebox 
uh, between, you know, this time or, or like stood here for a certain amount of time or something. Um, and then you can trace them back and it's like, okay, you know, they went here. All right. Talk to this bartender. Like, who did they see? And, and, you yep. know, maybe again, you can, uh, yeah, you can then dismiss a couple more and it's like, all right, who did they, th- who did they then later overlap with? You know, uh, cause mm-hmm. I really like this idea of, yeah, having to track down, oh, okay. I've got this one left. I've got this one left. Oh, and here's where they stopped near each other for 10 minutes and presumably had a conversation. All right, I'm definitely on the right track, you know. I feel like that'd be a really yep. cool puzzle to to figure out. Oh, yeah. And I, I would love to just see, you know, the first couple of days are, are just you go find a find a bounty and you you physically you solve you solve this mystery and it's sort of like maybe something from from the first day comes back later on, but it's it's not necessarily um you know letting it all go at the very start yeah but, yeah i think know, yeah it's not like you join the it's not like you join the resistance on the first mission yeah you've got a bit of world building you've got a bit of backstory stuff a bit of day to day yeah you're this bounty hunter and you just discover a bit more about the world on those missions oh yeah i'm i'm just imagining like these orbs that have like this this um you know this tail sort of dragging on the ground is it's like the uh the oh the optic nerve that's basically right. just dragging on the ground it's, dra- it's like so are they floating or are they like yeah okay. they, they were all floating in the in the um uh game yeah in the in the original game they sort of uh talk to you telepathically and right. all this sort of stuff right. like i can just imagine like this hive mind sort of talking all at once many voices talking all at once into your head um and it's the only sort of, um, you know, talking that you can actually uh, do. You can only um, talk telepathically to these orbs and they don't really- For, At least at the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, so, yeah, I like I, that idea that even as part of your investigation, you still can't break those rules. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, you, you can't be talking to people because if you do, then it's going to do one of the typical Sierra things and- and you know, <laughs> it's just going to kill you. It's just going to kill yeah. you. But it's all, it's going to do the not so typical Sierra thing and give you basically a restore point just before that happens. Yes. <laughs> they did start doing that, I think, in later ones. They did. Yeah. All right. I really, I like that. That's cool. A new Manhunter game. Uh, yeah, I really love really that world. Interesting of Manhunter. I, I would love to I see. Like it really that. I really like that. Like position tracing gameplay stuff. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. I mean. I kind of want to work on that. <laughs> I mean, we need to finish our other game first. Yeah. We've got to finish something. Otherwise, we fall into that I trap. I know. All right. Well, yeah, I think- Positional, though. Positional tracking. I know. That's cool. <laughs> and I really want to shove some, like, um, some- uh, Ray tracing. Into- no, I was going to say some <laughs> physics on those uh, optic nerves. Some, like, f- oh, some, yeah. you know, jiggle physics. <laughs> <laughs> goo physics that just it leaves like a trail oh, behind God. it <laughs> wet maps uh, yep. alright I think on that note we will end this episode thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm if you want to find us online we're at podchaser.com slash Bitstorm go there do the stuff see things there's a bunch more episodes like 150 plus it's it's a lot. Just check them out. Leave us some ratings yep. and reviews. Tell us what you think of them. Go through the backlog. Rate every single one. Do it. 
please. <laughs> We'd really like it. Uh, we're also part of the 8-Bit Collective. This is a, a group of podcasts around video games and pop culture. There are a ton of other great ones. Go check out uh, Comedy Rewind. Go check out The Hunger Gamers. Go check out some other ones that are on there, 8bit.net. Do you like video games as much as we do? Yes. Oh. If so, (laughs) do you like podcasts? Well, mash those two together and go check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. They're a group of like-minded individuals who all enjoy video games and talking about them and having podcasts about them. So check out at AGP Network on Twitter or the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. Yes, indeed. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. I'm a tiny leprechaun. Wait. Wait, that rainbow is coming out of my wife's vagina. <laughs> we must be having a baby. God. <laughs> Was the best I, was hoping, I was hoping that we'd get through the whole episode with you act without you actually saying exactly what it was. <laughs> Too bad, Rainbow Vagina. I'm not calling the episode Rainbow Vagina. <laughs> Here, let me just do the stinger one more time. It's a Rainbow Vagina. 